Havila Cunnington, and this is Havila's Podcast. I'm excited that you're tuning in today. You know, this podcast was created by Truth to Table so I could have a place to share my heart, biblical truth, simple lifestyle leadership, as well as just connect with my table community, my table tribe. So I hope that you'll spend a few minutes with me as we jump in to whatever God has put on my heart this week. And don't forget that you're never too far gone from where God wants to take you. You are loved, you are seen, and he wants to desperately know everything about you. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Let's jump into this. I want to talk about suicide, depression, anxiety, how we deal with church leaders. For those of you that don't know, the reason we're even having this conversation was there was a man in the body of Christ that a pastor that committed suicide. Um, I don't know him. I'm not going to name him because I don't, I don't know him personally. And that's not what this whole thing is about. There was another pastor that also had committed suicide. Um, he was a senior pastor. I believe that this guy was a youth pastor. Like I said, I don't know them, so I don't want to broadcast their name. I'm not trying to use their name. I just want to have a good conversation about the topic of it so that we kind of know where to put it. So those of you that did know him, uh, this may not relate to him at all. So I just want to be really clear that I'm not saying this because I've heard or I know. I don't. I know nothing about his story, his wife, his two kids. I don't know about that. But what I do know is is that the church is wanting to have this conversation about suicide and it feels like not only in the world are people committing suicide, but also in the church people are committing suicide. And I want us to have a conversation. I want to know, I want us to talk about what God says about it, what he thinks about it, um, what we can do to help other people, um, how we can help support families that have gone through this, and then also how to protect our own families and our own communities um, you know, it is so, so sad. It's so sad that someone could take their life and they are doing life with us. But what I have found is that no one is immune to suicide. It happens. Um, everyone's life is touched by it, whether it's a family member, a friend, someone we knew, um, even an actor or someone that we followed that seemed to be a big deal to us. And we find out that they kill themselves. And I don't know about you, but the first feeling that I have about suicide is like we got robbed like immediately. I'm like, somebody got robbed because it wasn't their time. It was not their time to go. And the whole world got robbed. And I have found uh, from people that we have, uh, you know, counseled in different things is that many people experience a feeling of suicide and depression. And uh, yeah, see people don't talk. I lost my mom to suicide. I went through major anxiety for three years. Exactly. And we see this all the time. Okay, let's see. My dad is here. I'm adding him. I'm waiting for my dad. My dad is Francis Infusa. You may have heard him on K-Love. Uh, he does the pastor hour on K-Love. And um, so you may have met him. Hi, dad. Hi, sweetheart. <laughs> Hi. Here we are. So I'm doing about, good. There's about 250 people on this um, live stream. And I want to okay. get right into it because I know not everybody has a good hour or two. Right. But we want to talk about suicide, depression, anxiety, along with when pastors commit suicide, leaders commit suicide. Uh, you know, the number one question, and I would call you as number one response when you hear that somebody has committed suicide. As a pastor, you've been a pastor for, for 20 years, local pastor, 20 years on the road. You've been around the block. You've done memorials for people that have committed suicide. Tell me what your thoughts are initially when you hear that someone's committed suicide. You know, whoever they are, obviously, it is uh, a very incredibly sad thing. 
Obviously, it's a permanent solution for a temporary issue. And um, having been a person who battled with suicidal thoughts uh, every day before I met the Lord, um, even though um, it's been many years, uh, the residue of that reality is there. Uh, you know, you grew up with me, so you know uh, that I, I have had, you know, struggles in my mind. Um, you at times have challenged me about that, encouraged me about that. But even as a pastor, you've had challenges in your mind. I think yeah. people assume like, oh, I'm a pastor, I shouldn't have that. Or I'm well, a leader, they, they, I shouldn't have that. They've done studies. Uh, all pastors should be Christians. So that's one of the things that even as a pastor, they're human beings and they have going through struggles. So, um, you know, I've often thought because of my difficulties, candidly, um, but also thought about my giftings and various things. I'm surprised I'm leading anybody. I mean, there, there are times when you hit a low point and you are amazed that God could use me to lead people. But if I identify with the issues that they're going through, be honest about my own issues, uh, it builds bridges of connection with people and not, you know, I, I'm not above them. I'm There's not no above temptation them. taking anyone. Yeah. Right. No temptation taking them, but such as common demand. Right. Now, and you, that's you grew assumption. up with me. Yeah. The assumption is that, um, you know, I'm a leader, so I don't have struggles or I'm above that. I'm now spiritual, so I don't have any other struggles. And so part of the mirage and I think some of the celebrity culture of the church is that people are above it, that if you're really spiritual and you really love God and you're really set free, then you won't deal with anxiety, depression, all of those things. And I would say, yes, you will deal with them, but, but you have to deal with them. You have the, now you have the authority and the power to deal with them before you dealt, you had them dealing with you and you were powerless to them, but now you, you get to deal with them. But I don't think everybody deals with them the same. I don't think everybody, it's like uh, freedom from addiction, freedom from whatever. Sometimes we're immediately delivered and other times we have to do our three, a step program or triple three, a, you can tell my brain, my, uh, you know, uh, what is it called? Why am I thinking that? Double A, triple A? What is it? 12 <laughs> step. 12 step. 12 step. Yeah, yeah. The, the 12 <laughs> step program. So here's some questions I want to answer right away. The first thing is, do you believe that someone who has committed suicide goes to heaven? You know, um, I've done, sadly, many memorials for people who have committed suicide from 18-year-olds uh, to people who are older. You know, I've, I have been with families um, who have experienced it, and um, then you're processing it with them. Uh, he's the God of the living, not the dead. That person is gone. I've got to deal with the family, but I also cannot mis misrepresent God, meaning um, if I give license, if I were to say, right. you know, we know that uh, Johnny is with Jesus and in heaven forever, um, you know, that is my hope. That is my sincere hope. I, I believe in what I say in memorials that I believe uh, that God is not going to judge us on our worst moment. He's not like doing a videotape replay of right. our life, finding the worst moment and go, that's it. Now I'm going to judge you on that moment. No, we've all had incredibly stupid moments. Right. We've had moments that God, please don't. And you so know. that was obviously if that man or woman had an opportunity to rethink what they were doing. I believe uh, another look very often they would say, I wouldn't do it. I I've done studies on people I do believe that. Yeah, who jumped. Uh, or I did a, a study. I actually visited the Golden Gate Bridge, got to go up and talk to men who 
work there who were with people who jumped off the bridge. Um, and one of the, the studies that was done was individuals who survived. Uh, and uh, immediately, as soon as they jump off, those who survived, only a handful survived. Right. Uh, 13, 1400 died. They thought, I, I made a mistake. I did the wrong thing. And so they literally thought, I made yeah, a mistake. Yeah, I, I should never have done it. I wish I'd never done it. Now, most of them obviously don't get that back. But I do believe that people, given another opportunity, will rethink it. So what I would say is to people, because I don't want to give them license to take their life, I'd yeah. say your son, your husband, your father is in the hands of the most loving, caring person who ever lived. And I believe with all my heart uh, that the God who loves us um, is going to look at our entire life, not the bonehead decisions we I have made. That. So I, I have to trust the God uh, that I believe is love uh, to watch over us. Now, on the other hand, I don't want to make people think they can just take their life, you know, willy nilly and it's better. Uh, if uh, The way I describe it is if I were to go into a room five minutes before a person committed suicide, would I try and talk them out of it? Or yeah. would I say, that's a good decision. Yeah, you should really do that. No, I would talk them out of it. I know we live in a culture where euthanasia is trending and people say, well, physical, emotional issues uh, giving me a license to take my life. I don't believe that. I, I don't think that's a valid thing to do. I think it's God gives life, God takes life. It's not in my court to do that. But I, I am very comforting for the family. Uh, they understand beforehand that for me to give a license and just say, you know, your, your solution. Yeah, they're in heaven, but they're and, in the hands of a loving God. And a lot of, of that God. is pain. Like the thought that we've already lost someone too soon. Uh, you know, they were we were robbed. Then the idea that things that they would be in hell forever is just inconceivable. And yeah. so I think sometimes we're like, oh, Lord. Now, I think it's true for everybody. We will never know who's in heaven until we get there. It is impossible. Right. There are people that have lived religious lives, spiritual lives, but we don't know if they really know God at the end. It, we will never know. And ultimately, part of the reason heaven is so appealing and us going to eternity is not just making it there, but the Bible says we'll be rewarded for how we live. And so there'll be a sadness, I think, in our hearts to know that even if we did make it, we could have done so much more and we could have had so much more of a life. So, uh, but I think it's really important that we say, uh, is there anything in scripture that says someone doesn't make it to heaven? doesn't make it to heaven? Well, you know, the Bible says yeah. we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for those things we've done, whether good or bad. And that there but will no, be a judgment. No scripture, but there's no scripture that says you cannot commit suicide and make it to heaven. Uh, you, you know, I, I've seen people, obviously, they, they try and do the math that if you commit murder, uh, that that is, you know, a, a sin. Yeah, they said that, technically suicide is a murder is what people are Yeah. Uh, again, uh, my, my appeal would be at that moment, stop playing God. Okay, you're not a very good God. You'll never be a very good God. <laughs> Why don't you just back off a little bit here? Let God be God Very good, and, and let, let him make the decision. Um, we want people to live. You know, one of the main things that I, I know when I was suicidal and when I battled depression myself, I have to get my eyes off myself. I asked a man who was the uh, head of a mental hospital for 25 years, give me one takeaway from your experience. And he said, the people that I dealt with thought about themselves when they woke up all day long, went to bed thinking about themselves. So self is not the cure for our ills. And so when I'm struggling with depression or, or when I'm battling with some kind of fatalistic thought, not suicide, but just hopelessness, despair, 
I think about you and Deborah and mom and, and so much to live for. And I really don't want to do anything to hurt you. I think at some point, a, a person who takes their life is just looking at themselves. They may have done faulty math. Right. Thinking, well, my family will be better off without me. Right. That is a lie. It's a lie. Uh, it's a lie. And, and the heart... It's a lie from the pit of hell. Yeah. It, it's and to I'll... say that they can go on without you without having the repercussions of losing you right. is a lie. And it's a deception because that's, that pain will never go away for those that have lost somebody. Yeah. They will live with it forever. Yeah. Whether you go, oh, well, they'll get remarried or they'll have another. No, it's, it's not true. So I just, I want to say that for those that are watching right now that might be thinking, my wife would be better without me or my kids would be better without me. That is a lie. And that's something you're telling yourself to ease the idea of you leaving. And I'm saying to you, that's a lie. Your kids, you will never have another mom and dad. You'll never have another family member. You'll never have another child. That's it. You, there is no one who can replace you. You right. are vital to this world, whether you right. feel it or not, you right. are vital to this world. And part of our purpose is knowing that our, that we are vital to this world and that's how we live a better life. So I just want to say that to those and those of you that are feeling pain and going, well, why would they think I would have had a better life? It's a mirage. It's a lie. Um, yeah. You are needed and necessary. And part of your purpose on life is to figure out why you're here. And right. so instead of focusing on why you don't fit, you have to focus on how can you fit? And well, I, I would I, say this, go ahead. Well, I'm saying also the pain we go through. I mean, it's my real. pain, my mantra is my pain has led me to my passion which led me to my purpose. I was fatherless, I was suicidal. And so those are two dimensions. I had church issues. When I meet someone with any of those issues, I'm immediately so having true. a special backstage pass into them. That's why I do small groups. That's why I do group homes. That's why I'm in touch with people who are in need because I empathize. And that's what God did to us. Jesus uh, was, was uh, tempted in every point just like we are. We don't have a high priest who cannot relate to our issues. But I also would say this, when the Bible says there's no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But then it says this, but God is faithful, who with the temptation will provide a way of escape. There's always a way of escape. There's always a way I of do, escape. I do believe even with this recent suicide with this pastor, um, I understand there's a moment you make a decision where the next day you would not make that same decision. So unfortunately, the math was faulty. Um, he is going to be missed. His kids will, will grow up, you know, at this point without a dad. Um, and I do believe we need to think about that. I don't want you uh, and those I love to be thinking, what could I have done right. to have helped my dad? I need to. Or mom. Or yeah, mom. Or mom. To, yeah. Take away the escape that God's providing for me. And now I would say this, because I do have, from my vantage point, and I've said it, uh, I do have mental issues. I do. I mean, I'm just you. You at different points. I'm not I'm laughing. I'm, I mean, that's like laughing because it's true. Like we. Well, I know, but you know me, and we've had some, you know, dark moments. You, you don't understand it fully. I cry a lot. You know, you tease me. I'm almost a girl because I cry more than you and Deborah <laughs> and Mom put together. I'm a very emotional guy. I go through lots of issues, but that also builds bridges of empathy with people where I'm ready to help and, well, and, and jump in. This. And this is some, one of the questions is, what do I do if somebody, if I'm, okay, it says, uh, steps for a believer to do if they're dealing with anxiety and depression. And what I would say personally for me, I've dealt with depression uh, three different times clinically. Uh, the first thing I would say, as a leader, as an ordained minister, as a pastor, go get help. Right. Medical, mental, uh, whatever it is. 
go get go get someone on your team when you are at that place you need other people this is why the bible says that that we have to stay in community because if we don't right. have anyone who's like you know what that's normal that's not normal i'm concerned about you let's do this if you're not able to diagnose yourself when you are in depression and anxiety you cannot right. diagnose yourself and right. so I see people work so hard when really it might be a medical issue. It may be as simple yeah. as a serotonin level or a dopamine yeah. or your brain isn't operating right. And I, yeah. I, what my doctor used to say, you can't, or my, my counselor used to say, you can't chastise somebody who's sick. Like someone's got a full blown flu and you can't be like, well, you need to eat more, you know, <laughs> you need to have more uh, vitamin C and you need to drink more water. They're sick. The best thing you can do is get them the medication Right. And when they get well, then you start giving them steps for healthy living. And that's what I think the church often does is we, we kind of kick people when they're down rather than saying, you know, you need to be able to get the help you need. I believe that there is resources out there. And what I want to say is, is go, first of all, to your medical doctor. Go right. to your doctor. Don't just get on anything that they put you on, but have the conversation. Get the blood work. Have the, the makeup. Number two, go to a leader that's a spiritual leader and get prayer and say, Lord, I'm going to go. Is there things that are unhealed, unforgiven, uh, pain from my past? Help me walk through into healing. And then also I would say, go get a counselor, get a life coach, get someone in your life you can speak to. Very good and house. don't just burden your family with this. Because yeah. I think for me, this is my own, my own experience, but having a dad who had depression and your depression often came at holidays. Right. Because you were abandoned as a child and institutionalized as a child, your a lot of your triggers happened in right. the holidays. And so yeah. I remember at Christmas feeling like, uh oh, my dad is spiraling, right? Thanksgiving, <laughs> Christmas, Father's Day. That's true. It's my true. dad is spiraling. And I could feel it as a kid, like, uh oh, dad is spiraling and I don't know what to do. And I'm trying to get him to be happy. And I remember one Christmas you were sitting on the couch in your robe. And, the, you know, we have mom is wonderful and she is um, a little healthier in this way. Uh, I don't want to put a I don't want to put a, a, a line between somebody experiencing their emotions <clears throat> and someone not having those emotions as healthy or unhealthy. You were as healthy as you knew how to be in right. who you were. But I remember telling you, like, Dad, we can't do this anymore. Like, we have got to have. You've right. got to get healthy. Like we've yeah. got to figure this out. And yeah. I knew at that point for me, when I began to deal with depression in a clinical way, the first thing I did was ran to get help. And the reason Beautiful. I did that was because I knew what it was like to be a child in a home that had it. Now I say that is the most dramatic part of our story. We have a, we have 99% of our story is fantastic. And so yeah. if you have, if you are dealing with depression and your kids are in your life, they're going to be okay. It's not the only thing about you if you have depression or anxiety. It's not the only thing they're going to remember. They can grow up super healthy, super happy, but you have to be willing to acknowledge it. You have to be willing to get help. You have to be willing to ask their forgiveness. And not in yeah. a way of like, I'm sorry I was depressed, but like, I'm sorry if this is affecting your life and I'm going to do what I yeah. can. And so that's something else. There are so many questions, Dad. I'm concerned. Yeah. we got to keep going. Okay. So do you believe those with severe mental Ill illness should be in a leadership position? This is the question I'm seeing everywhere right now. And there's even a, a blogger that I'm following that took a moment during this conversation to basically chastise the church and say, how is this guy even in leadership? How are they even, you cannot let people in lead be okay. in this position. So, so here's the thing, Mother Teresa writes about the fact 
that she battled depression her whole life. Now imagine she put herself in the most unbelievable circumstances, but she struggled with depression. She had a priest that she would write to and confide in. She didn't share about it with everybody, but she battled it. And it's a real deal. And, and I've thought about it myself, you know, for me. But what I've tried to do in transparency, and when the Bible says they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, that's me being transparent. And they love not their lives to the death. It's me dying to myself, sharing honestly where I am. It's not me collapsing. It's not me, you know, thank God I don't, you know, give into uh, getting drunk or something like that and then say, hey, it's okay. No, I I'm doing the best I can, but I am struggling. It is a white knuckle ride. Uh, and yet that transparency can be very helpful and healthy because the average person is struggling. I mean, the whole, you know, most people, that expression, where did this come from? Most people live lives of quiet desperation. Where did that expression come from? Was it overstated? I don't think so. I think most people are struggling. And this little pharisaical highbrow, I'm doing great, right. you know, smoke and mirrors hype. I didn't, I couldn't pull it off. Now, let me tell well, you a little story. In the 70s, my two pastors, I love them, but they didn't share their issues. And so I knew they had issues. One got divorced. The other one was overbearing. In the 80s, the early 80s, I finally heard a pastor share vulnerably. I looked around going, can we do that? Are we allowed Come to on. share that? Then I, then I shared my sentence. I shared this one sentence. Uh, I had a little season recently where I had trouble getting out of bed. And then I, was, I went, oh, my God, I can't believe I said that. And then when the message was over, everyone who came up, Remember that sentence you shared about getting out of bed? We mean the one that I wish I hadn't said, the one that I said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I said that. Yeah, that sentence, that was the one. All of a sudden, I realized people were not interested in me modeling perfection. They wanted me to be honest and transparent right. about my That's issues. Right. Now, yes, am I overcoming? Yeah, the Bible says to those who overcome. Well, that means you're going to be going through great difficulty. Now, do I believe someone who is really absolutely stuck uh, in a, a bipolar scenario where they literally have trouble discerning reality from non-reality and they can't get control of their emotions, no, then that person is best not being in a well, senior leadership position. But in terms of struggles, we all go through struggles. Well, and you're saying, listen, let's get off the high horse and realize that we're all human. And, and some of us are more honest and don't mean honest with ourselves. I mean, like more verbal about it, but many of us are dealing with it. My concern is that when you start to hold people at a higher standard, look at the disciples. The disciples right. were a gnarly group of men yeah. and God had no problem using them even yeah. in the midst of their, I mean, Peter denies Jesus three times yeah. and still he becomes the number one revivalist in the book of Acts. So yeah. there is a disconnect where I'm like, when we start throwing stones at a moment when somebody's humanity or even weakness you know, I, I wonder if we had said no one who had an affair, no one who's ever been greedy, no one who right. I mean, if we took the Ten Commandments and held right. it up according to every person in leadership, we would have no leaders. Yeah, it would be no, impossible. So uh, rather than focus on everybody else, we focus on ourselves. If somebody is in trouble, they're saying suicidal things. They are telling you things that you're going, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. You can go talk to someone. I would use the book of Matthew. It says, go to them first and say, hey, I've been hearing you say some things that are concerning to me. You're using phrases that don't sound really great. Now, I understand that's going to take courage if they're in leadership. But the truth is, 
they if they're in trouble who is going to talk to them nobody because the people are afraid so go to them be courageous in a humble spirit and say yeah. hey some of the things you're saying i'm concerned about the safety of you and your family if they don't listen to you then the bible says go with somebody else yeah, and say hey, i want to have this conversation yeah. be courageous enough to in love love them enough to say i love you i'm concerned i think that um when it's in the wrong spirit, it's an exposing spirit. It's coming to defraud them. It's coming to tell people. It's coming to gossip. It's coming to whisper. But when you go in the spirit of love, you're going straight to the person and right. putting your own self on the line, yeah. but not in a dominant spirit, but in a loving compassion to say, are you okay? Are yeah. you okay? I'm hearing yeah. what you're saying. I'm concerned. And I don't know if anyone's asking you this, right? but I'm not going to tell other people about this right now my main directive is i love you are yes. you okay and if we can yeah. ask those around us that question and you know and to say i you're the first i have not gone to anybody else i'm going straight to you i'm concerned and if yeah. they are so resistant then we go we take the book of matthew and we go forward okay dad we have a thousand questions and i feel okay. like we're answering some of them but uh is depression spiritual absolutely we are triune being we're spirit soul and body they're all connected you know, my thoughts, uh, you know, you know, my thoughts affect are affected by my emotions, by my will. And uh, I, I make decisions and those decisions then set in motion a chain reaction of thinking. But yeah, I mean, Paul said I would have come to you sooner, except Satan hindered me. We are in a battle. We are in spiritual warfare. And when the Bible says, you know, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought, the obedience of Christ. I swat the mosquitoes of thoughts. They affect my spirit. I mean, my spirit belongs to Jesus, but the primary battleground is in my soul, my mind, my will, right. my emotions. And so, and so that's the question people are saying is, why isn't salvation enough? Like if I've gotten saved, why is that not enough? And what well, we're trying to say... Well, what we're trying to do is unpack the fact that our spirit is completely saved, redeemed, right. whole, connected. Right. But we live in a fallen body and we have a soul, mind, will, and emotions that must be renewed and surrendered. Right. Our mind gets renewed, right? right? Our emotions get healed and our will gets surrendered. So in Excellent. those three yeah. phases, that's how we become redeemed. Like we begin to be Christian. So this is why you can be a Christian and struggle. This is why right. you can be a Christian and, and have some stupid things happen in your mind yeah. and have your emotions rule your life and have your will dominate because yeah. that's all the stuff that the partnership with God that we have to do on the earth. That's the work. It says to work out our salvation. The work yeah. of salvation is that part. The work of the cross, complete. The work of salvation, partnership with the Holy Spirit. So I think sometimes people are, I think those that judge quickly are those often not in connection with with real life right like i'm like yeah you know even the person that said this and I, i'm not meaning to judge but they are they are living in a very secluded environment with a very small leadership around them they're not they're not in that with thousands of people trying to minister to people with different cultures and different they're just online saying some things that they think is what is true to them which they have to go with their conviction but I'm saying, like, let's humble ourselves and realize that we cannot make judgments about where people are at. Okay, if God wanted us to hide our issues, then he certainly would have written about his heroes in a different way. 
every person who ever met on, Peter, every good. person who ever met Peter, they're thinking in their mind, this is the guy who denied the Lord. Every person who met Paul is thinking, this is the guy who stood by Stephen when he was being stoned. And yet these were men of like passions. The Bible says Elijah was a man of like passions. Come on. So we all go through those things. Paul said, who is weak and I am not weak. All of us struggle with those issues. And I believe the problem with the Pharisees was they tried to put themselves above the people where they thought they were yes. better than those folks. Yes. When in reality, the ground is level at the cross. I need a savior as much today as I ever have. I need to submit my mind, my will, my emotions to the Lordship of Jesus more than I ever have. So listen, I, I, yeah, what I have found in life, again, I'm trying to finish well here, guys, okay? So I, I got some more tread in my tires. I'm 70 years old. Come I on. want to finish strong. <laughs> I want my best years ahead. I am fighting the fight of faith. I'm slapping the devil, standing on the word of God, standing on God's promises. But when the Bible says in Philippians, one translation says, always going through it, never going under. Right. It seems like every day I wake up, I don't wake up to low-hanging fruit. God bless people who do that. I wake up to fruit. I've got to climb a tree in worship and prayer with a machete, get down the fruit because <laughs> my mind does not gravitate toward better thoughts. My mind tends to gravitate toward uh, worry, fear, discouragement. I'm sorry. I, I am, you know, a human being and I need God's help. But I have found once I was able to share about it honestly, it opened up a whole panorama of opportunity for me to literally pastor for 21 years being honest about my issues. And then you, I remember you as a teenager and Deborah, you know, you're a little older now, but speaking into my life, challenging me, all of a sudden I realized, whoa, my kids are challenging me. Suck it up, dad, get it, you know, and you were empathetic, yeah. but you were also very strong and I needed that level of strength. Yeah, I love what Mama Joan says, one dark moment doesn't negate the work of the cross. And he may not have been called home, but Jesus was there with wide open arms to welcome him or her. So that's our greatest hope, right? So our hope is that they made it to heaven. Yes. We don't want yeah. anyone to go to hell. And we don't want to sit go and go, well, I hope they made it to hell. They never made it to heaven. That Even that thought tells me you don't understand hell. The fact that you would even think they deserve hell. Is tells me you don't understand it. We want everyone to make it. That is the goal. And there's this whole kind of theology of there's no heaven or there's no hell. And, you know, in my Bible, that doesn't say that at all. I think that's something that we like to believe so that there's that thought of someone not making to heaven is so horrible. But the truth is, is that we will never know. And so this is the mystery of life. This yeah. is that, you know, I remember one time I was telling you, I was going through some hard stuff and I said, dad, I don't understand, like, what? why is this happening? Like, how is this okay? What are we doing? You said, you know, Havileh, I believe that there's a file in heaven that is listed the things I don't understand. And when I get to heaven, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> but when I get to heaven, I will ask God, I will say, God, can we pull this file out together? And he will graciously go through each of these items with me to talk to me about the things that I did not understand and to help me. And I, and when I heard that, I thought that is the heart of God. Like he is not dismissing it. He's not like, well, I told you he is the perfect loving parent that says, let's go through this together. And, and part of the struggle of our life is we will live in the, we will live in the tension of the knowing and the not knowing. 
And if we can live in the tension of the knowing and the not knowing with humility, with grace, love, with acceptance, with holding on to the truth that we know, we will be safe, right? Well, well that, that is really what faith is. Faith is the substance yeah, of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. If you already got it, you don't need faith for it. If you have everything you need, you don't need to believe for it. So we are all standing upon the promises of God, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises we can be partakers of a divine nature, having yeah. escaped the corruption that's in this world. And I, the world is corrosive. Here's the thing. I, I would say to everybody, uh, one of my life messages, the secret to loving your life, and the secret to loving your life is not everything came up roses. Things are going to come up thorns. When the Bible says to those who overcome, well, that means the issue in life is overcoming. That's right. the whole point. To those right. who overcome, they sit on my right hand. Their name in the book of life. I mean, over and over again, overcomers is where it's overcoming, at. So overcoming. I would just say this to everyone. Guys, your pain is a gift that will produce a passion in you that you will fight for people you love you and care about. And it will lead you to your purpose, the divine calling that's on your life. I, I agree with you. It is, you know, I think we've missed that that concept in the in the church, which is the word endure. Endurance. Some things absolutely. we will have to just endure. That's it. it. We will endure, and we will do what we, you know. And that's why worship and prayer and all those. And, and that's why the Bible says, "To those who endure to the end, yes, they to shall those be who saved. endure." And so, right. what I would say to some of you that are watching this today, you better learn how to endure. You better learn how to endure, endure in your marriage, endure in your parenting, endure in your workplace, endure in the in the spiritual culture, the political culture. You're going to have to learn to endure and endure without your heart becoming hard. Because the Bible says the life is, you know, the wellspring, your heart is the wellspring of life. So if we can keep our hearts soft in the middle of enduring, we win. So here's the question you should ask. In life, don't ask the question, why is this happening? Ask the question, God, what are you trying to show me? Yes. What, what is a much better question? God, just show me, what are you trying to do in me? It's God who's working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God, there's a good pleasure involved. It's going to work for my good. All things work for my good. Show me, what am I supposed to be learning? Rather than, why is it happening? I can't believe God allowed it. No, don't waste your time going down that road. That's okay. a dead end. God, so show I me. Do I want to do rapid fire questions really fast. So just okay. one sentence per question. Okay. Okay. So if I'm dealing with depression, does that mean I'm less Christian uh, than a normal person? If you're honest about it, that means you're more Christian than the average person. Come on. How to help my husband feeling alone um, and he's isolated even more. How do I help my husband? You know, pray for him that he's got to have friends. It's not good. The Bible says for man to be alone, period. Okay, should leaders step down when dealing with these issues? Leaders should, leaders leaders should get help. It depends on what they do. If I'm in blatant sin, if I'm going out and getting drunk, if I'm watching porn regularly, if there's issues in my life that really are out of control, then I need to take a hiatus from that for a season to get healthy. Okay, can anxiety and depression and PTSD be overcome without medication? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I never did meds per se. I, the only med I do is a joyful heart is good like medicine, okay? But you didn't so have I PTSD. Do that. You didn't no, have I, PTSD. I understand. I'm not knocking that. Meds 
If someone has to do meds, then they're going to do meds. And I, have, I have no I have problem. Yeah. I did it in a way and that was, a, a very dear friend of mine, Lance Hans, a pastor in this area. He's on meds for anxiety. He's an amazing pastor. Yeah. And yet that helps him. Stabilize so the, the goal him. is that we, we don't negate the power of God. And God can heal us at any moment. Just like if you had diabetes or just like if you had, you know, something where you have to take medication. But you're asking God every single day, heal me with this. And yes. I'm going to check in and see if you've healed me. I'm going to check to see if I'm whole. But I'm not going to negate the fact that there are medical healings as well. Okay. Uh, what, what spirit makes people commit suicide? Well, obviously, the only, the most fatalistic person in the universe is the devil. He's the only one who's doomed. His only goal right now is take as many people with him as possible. The Bible says, draw near to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So God will see you through if you hang in there. Okay. There's so many here. Okay. Uh, uh, dealing with voices in your head when challenged by life and regrets of the past. How do you, you deal know, with the voice in your head? You know, this is the thing. You regret. You've got to deal with your regrets. You've got to stare them down, look at them, acknowledge I blew it, ask forgiveness. If it requires asking forgiveness of people, do it, but then get it off you. Paul the Apostle yeah. said, I get the dust off my feet. I go out of a city, uh, whether it be your own mind, and I get the dust off my feet and move on. I've got to be a forgiven. The God who set, lets the sun set every day wants us to let things settle in our hearts and then begin the next day in a brand new way. So true. Okay. How do you explain to an unbeliever that God was not the reason for someone committing suicide? Um, you know, people have given a free will. If you're going to have love, you're going to have freedom. No right. one's forced to love you. And so you, with freedom comes a choice and everyone makes choices. God will not turn us into robots. Right. He gives us the free will to make our own decisions. Right. And that's how we have, we can live with good and evil in the same world. Because without real love, without the choice of real love or real good, you know, good, then we have no real. Okay, my dog, can you move Bear? Bear's right here. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, one last, let's do one more question. Um, uh, I think the last and final question that everyone's kind of just asked, and we've said it, but for those that missed it, do people who commit suicide go to heaven? That's the number one question people want to know. People and because who commit suicide. It, because I've done many memorials, had to say this. People who commit suicide will stand before the most loving person who ever lived. And I believe he will not judge us based upon the stupidest things we've ever done. None of us believe that for each other, and we don't believe God believes that about us. On the other hand, I cannot presume that a person who's committed suicide automatically gets a backstage pass and is automatically in heaven. I do not want anyone else to commit suicide. Right. So I, so I don't make that statement that is really not in my court. I'm not their judge. I'm not the God of the universe right. who will judge us. I would say they're in the hands of God. Don't commit suicide. Don't, don't play do in a it. sense. Please. You're Russian roulette in assuming something. Uh, I don't want to assume anything. I want to live uh, surrendered to God and desperately dependent upon him. But he will guide me. Uh, through the greatest difficulties of life. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the, to rock, the rock that is higher than I. than I. Amen. And you know what? If you're watching this right now, and we've had hundreds of you on today, and you're in trouble, I want to ask you that you would reach out for help wherever you are. And you may be dismissing a thought. It may be something you're just not even thinking about, or like it's a private. What I mean is you're not thinking about going public. 
And I'm, I want to challenge you that God set this live up for you to get this message to you because I believe that your steps are divinely orchestrated yeah. by God. Yeah, and right. he's trying to get your attention to help you, to help your family, to help your marriage, to help your kids. So if you're in trouble, um, I just want you to know there is nothing to be ashamed of. My dad had felt dealt with suicidal thoughts. I've dealt with depressive thoughts. There's no shame in this. We've got to get help. Could I pray? Can we pray for them, sweetheart? Absolutely. Okay, Father, we lift up every man, every woman who is struggling uh, with thoughts of fatalism, of suicide. We reject them in the name of Jesus Christ. We cast down those imaginations that are not from you. We pray that you'd give them hope, Lord, beyond their circumstance, beyond their challenges. We pray for those who have lost loved ones and just battle with the thought of what they could have done. Lord, every person has made their own decision and they're in your hands. We just place them uh, before you. But we pray you'd comfort those who need comforting and strengthen those who need strength. But we ask that you'd help us to live out our days, God. Our life and death are in your hands, not in ours. And we pray especially for uh, those uh, in the news lately who have uh, lost loved ones, this right. pastor, Jared, and his family. We pray for grace upon That's all right. those who know him, his children, his wife, uh, his parents, those who love him and care for him. But we do pray for all those who are right now struggling with the very concept of uh, uh, battling with suicide, that you'd strengthen them in their inner man, that they would be victorious and not give in to that temptation and comfort those who have lost loved ones, we That's pray. That's right. In Jesus' right. name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Dad, I love you so much. For those I love who are you watching too, baby. this, uh, we will save this, and I'll try to throw it on my uh, IGTVs for those that need to watch it again. And depending on how you guys respond to this, we will do it again um, if this is something that you guys want to talk more about. I think we covered a ton. And really, this is what I do. When I need questions, I call my dad and say, Dad, what do you think? Give me the scripture. Give me the truth. And then I say sometimes like, yeah, no, that's how I would see it. <laughs> but overall, we have a good, good, healthy, good, healthy conversation. So I love you, Dad. Okay, love you, sweetheart. I'll call you bye later. Bye, bye, you guys. Love you all. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I hope that really blessed your life. I hope that everything God is trying to get to you, you grabbed a hold of. Again, don't forget to give me a shout out on the socials. I'm there almost every day. And if this podcast really spoke to you, would you consider leaving a review so others can find this podcast and as well as some stars? I hope you have a great day and I'll catch you next time.